politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for life, liberty, property, our right to survive. As sentient human beings, it is all on the line right here, right now. We must get something done here, and that's why we have CR Podcast. It's literally point to the target, understand the threat, and formulate a plan to eliminate it. That is what we are all about. Anything short of action is just talk, and we don't have time for just talk. It is Friday, and I feel kind of bad. I will be out next week, um, but even then, it's not a full week. I'll be back on Friday. I know I'm missing the stupid debate, but it is what it is. They decided to have the stupid debate before Labor Day, which makes no sense. Uh, So I got to spend some family time. It's been a really long time, I think, since I missed four days in a row, probably uh, at least three years uh, since since then. It's, you know, at most been two or three for my summer vacation, but it is what it is. We got a lot lot of ground to cover. We're going to have Dr. Corey coming up to see the latest on the genocide, the biomedical genocide, the political targeting of doctors, which is really the... Most one of the most important segments of society because if we don't have free-minded doctors, then, dude, I mean, that's a pro-life issue. We have a big problem there. His license is on the line or his board certification is on the line. But first, how do we nominate the man who led the creation of the worst killer in human history? I'm just like, and it's not just nominating him, but it's like, he doesn't even need to show up to the debate. He doesn't get asked a single tough question. Nothing. And this is still going on. It's not an artifact of two years ago. Like we had from Dr. Mackis on, on Wednesday, he is showing that the rate of died suddenly, if anything, it's intensifying at least relative to the n- number of doses being given, meaning there's much fewer doses than 2021, 2022, and yet... The rate of death is still the same. So I want to go into some of that uh, and then move on to some of the political news. And then, Dr. Corey, uh, first, before I get you all fuming mad like I am now, and that's why I need a break, I want to introduce you guys to Fume, F-U-M. What is Fume? Look, cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. A lot of people have the need to always especially when you're like me in front of a computer and you're always very nervous and vexed and thinking about things. You you have a habit that you need something in your fingers, you need something in your mouth, whether it's smoking or food, constantly needing to eat and you know makes you fat when you're snacking all day. There is a great product out there I just tried. They sent to me uh, from our sponsor, new new sponsor, Fume, that looks at this problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong, so instead of drastic, uncomfortable changes, why not just remove the bad from the habit and then channel your habit elsewhere? So Fume is an innovative device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. So you you have this nice... Nice wood that you hold in your hand, very tactile. I'm not such a sensory guy, but my son is, and a lot of people are. Um, And the taste is amazing. 
uh, more flavorful than you thought. It's raspberry, lemon, and grapefruit are my favorites, but there's a whole bunch of them in their packets. Um, and again, it's it's well-weighted, perfectly balanced, extremely fun to fidget with for those who constantly need something in their hands. So stopping bed habits, again, it's, it's very hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers, many success stories, so, so join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the Journey Pack today. Head over to tryfume.com. And by the way, it's F-U-M. There's no E. It's pronounced that way, but it's tryfum.com. Use offer code CR to save 10% off on your Journey Pack today. That's tryfum.com. Use promo code CR. And... Speaking of bad habits, how do we break this bad habit of the GOP-controlled opposition? I want to give over a little bit of a thesis that I've said part of it before, but I want to develop it stronger today, Uh, you know, as as we talk. And, And maybe we'll start with this before we get to the medical stuff that died suddenly news, the pilots, five pilots dropping uh, in one week. Pretty big story. I have this long-running thesis that every 10 years or so, the gap between what the GOP base wants and what the GOP delivers relative to the threats and successful implementation of Democrat policies becomes so big that it would naturally force a reflection or inflection point, whether it's you know a new party or cleaning out the GOP. Right? It reaches a, a point where it's like everyone's like, oh my gosh, on the issues of our time, they're nowhere to be seen. Picture the Kansas-Nebraska Act moment of 1854 with the Whig Party. It's like, whoa, I mean, everything you've been sold to serve as an opponent to, you're, you're just the controlled opposition. So people will move on. And we reach that point about every 10 years. And then, magically, you have come along a movement. It could be the Reagan Revolution. It could be the 94 Gingrich Revolution. It could be the Tea Party in 2010. And then MAGA in 2016. 2015, 2016. And what what it does is it resets the baseline and allows for a controlled, limited hangout to create an aura of a new, fresh movement like, yeah, we're not like the GOP of yesteryear or the conservative talkers or organizations. We're more based. We're more aggressive. We're more in tune, in touch with the issues. We know what time it is. But ironically, those very people actually don't know what time it is, and they're actually confronting or failing to confront the issues of our time in the way they matter at the time they matter in the same lackluster, fake, perfidious, controlled opposition way as their predecessors did 5, 10, 15 years ago. It's all a mirage. And that's why the Tea Party became the new establishment. Everyone was a Tea Party candidate. Everyone's pro-Trump. MAGA is the new establishment. Toilet Paper USA is the new 
CPAC. The Federalist and all these like war room Trumpy publications are the new National Review. As much as they like to congratulate themselves, oh, we've moved on from yesteryear. It's all a mirage. It's a bait and switch. That's why I, I disagree with the notion that, well, at least we've moved on from those like National Review days or the neocon days. No, we haven't. The conservative movement is always designed to be, I'm just making up a number, five tranches below where we need them to be at that time. That gap between the truth and the lead we need on the exact target of that moment is the same it's always been, and sometimes even worse. It's just that it's a mirage because the left, because we had a failed opposition, successfully moved on to bigger and better things. So now the landscape is on a higher stakes battle. So the rhetoric of the right might might sound more aggressive relative to the rhetoric of the right to 10 years ago. But, re- but if you compare their rel- rhetoric and really certainly their implementation on the ground of our ideas, of our primary successes in elections and legislative sessions and congressional sessions relative to the current Democrat threat, it is just as ineffective to that Democrat threat as the conservative movement of 10, 15 years ago was relative to the threat of that day. So I I could give you tons of examples for this, but it's a perfect controlled opposition. Now, I'm not saying that the people that got into the Tea Party and the people who got into, uh, you know, the America First movement, the Trump movement, were themselves meaning to be controlled oppositions. No, it was organically, you know, a natural outcry born out of the GOP just and, and the conservatives, you know, of the time failing to confront any of the challenges. So they're like, what the heck? We got to, you know, take this to the next level. But then it always gets co-opted in a way that gives a limited hangout. Oh, you want more aggressive rhetoric on immigration? Sure. No doubt about it. I have I have fought the immigration issue for almost 20 years. There's there it could be there is nobody alive who has a greater byline on the immigration issue. I have hundreds of columns written on it philosophically, every aspect of legal, illegal, every type of visa. You know, I've covered this from fiscal, social, uh, cultural, national security. I've covered it from every angle. And, I mean, except maybe some of the real veteran writers at Center for Immigration Studies were were doing it longer. And I, and I will tell you, the rhetoric of even the establishment Republicans is much more aggressive. Like, None of them would even use the word illegal alien 10, 12 years ago. They'll they'll use it. They'll talk about the cartels. I talked about that 10 years ago. Now the cartels are a sideshow. It's not even the issue anymore. It's our own government. So when we needed a wall and more border security, focus on the cartels, 10 to 20 years ago, they weren't doing it. Now that it is so bad... You need state-based deportations, and anything short of that is not going to work. Now they're like, oh, it's the cartels, Uh, you know, like border security. And then meanwhile, if you look carefully, almost every single Republican, they don't want interior enforcement. They don't want workplace enforcement. Meaning the same 
impediment to the GOP actually doing it is what? The donors. The special interests. To a certain extent, also the identity politics, too. They're scared of being called racist. That's still there. They're just, they are more aggressive rhetorically. Again, one man has changed the game. I have a column out. You know, he's actually enforcing the immigration laws in Florida. And wages are rising and illegals are leaving. There's about seven other states that have it in the South. But it's not enforced. It's a joke. And in fact, they're saying they're going to go to the other southern states that have mandatory E-Verify, but they don't because it's not enforced. That's just one example of a bait and switch. But first, before we go on, we have one more sponsor. As we try to clean out this gunk of the GOP, make sure you clean out the gunk in your guns at BarrelBuddy.com. What's BarrelBuddy? It's a two-part polymer design a cartridge that scrubs and collects particulates, then absorbs the residue. And then also you could put the solvent in it and it squeezes out a perfect uniform application, 360 degree compression. Um, it it really, it, it, there's no lint or shedding like you have with those little cloths. There's, it's a, it's, it's a custom fit. So you have to make sure you just get nine millimeter, 45 cal, whatever you have. It's excellent value. Again, for, for $12.99, you can get 50 of these cartridges that will easily cover your cleaning needs for a full year. They're portable, safely used wet or dry. So people ask me about that. Yeah, you could put, you know, put your solvent on it, quick clean. Again, don't allow your guns to go dirty. Clean it with American-made Barrel Buddy. Listeners to this show, by the way, three patriots in Michigan, BarrelBuddy.com. So, folks, this is this is the thing. This is the game. All of these guys congratulate themselves. But even when they focus on the right issue, like I said, it's never all three at once. The right issue in the way it matters at the time it matters. It's all a bait and switch. So even, even now, you have all these shows that I've been invited on, not anymore, but, oh, the vaccine's terrible. So, look, I have a column out today that... Five pilots had a heart attack in flight in one week. That's a pretty sexy story. Okay? So they'll cover it as a talking point. Yeah, haha, it's a great story. But they don't inculcate it in their freaking heart. Like, this is a problem. People are dying. It needs to be stopped. We have a defund leverage. We should be doing these things in the state legislative sessions. They don't bring it to that level. It's the same thing that the GOP of yesteryear, yesteryear, ha, 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 the left is tax and spend liberals, right? That was the line when I was growing up. They, they spend too much money. But then at any leverage point that you actually had to cut spending, they never did it. It's the same thing. Paul, Paul Ryan focused on what? Fiscal conservatism. But it was a joke. It was a fraud. It's not just that he was a social liberal, but even on the fiscal issues, when it actually came time to do it, in fact, ultimately, he was the one who blew the budget caps with the Ryan Murray deal. Of course, negotiated by Trump's Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin. So it was always a bait and switch. So the current MAGA GOP is the same thing. It's like, yeah, the vaccines suck. Oh, let's nominate Trump. And... This is what we're calling out with the whole budget fight. 
It's like they're saying we are going to die. We are going to die if this goes on, if Trump is prosecuted. So why to this day am I the only one saying there's one thing if, if Mitch McConnell were in charge of the House. So you say, all right, he doesn't have clout with him, even though, by the way, he saved his hide, endorsing him in the primary against our people in 2020. But Kevin McCarthy likes to kiss up to him, and that's his man. He saved his career. Why is he not calling for it? It is really, really bizarre. I just don't understand it. But that's the point. They'll talk. The, the, the controlled opposition is not necessarily that they don't say the right things. The GOP always said the right things, or if they didn't, certainly the conservative movement said the right things. But they never focused on the issue that mattered in the way it mattered at the time it mattered. They never focused on the right leverage points. So that's how if you look at a period of 5, 10, 15 years, you look back and you're like, well, wait a minute. On the one hand, it seems like the GOP is getting more aggressive. The conservative movement's getting more aggressive rhetorically in their name calling, you know, socialism. Now we went to communism. We'll call them the names. But at the end of the day, pick your top issues and ask yourselves, are we better off or worse off? What are the outcomes? Have we succeeded or not? That, 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 that's a very important thing that I think a lot of people are forgetting. And we confuse ourselves by taking solace in the fact that we're like, oh, at least the GOP has moved on from X, Y, and Z. At least look at the party has gotten better on this issue. But that's also a mirage because, again, the left doesn't plant their flag on on a certain area forever. They move on to bigger and better things. So it's like, it's like imagine if you're a Confederate and you come years later to Little Round Top at Gettysburg and you plant your flag on Little Round Top. Well, they already slaughtered you there. Okay, that's, that's over with. You, like I could go up to that hill, and, 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 but, but the battle's not there anymore. So, for example, objectively you'll say, okay, wh where do we get better on? The party... Well, actually, the party is not, really, but the movement, the conservative talkers are less neocon. So we're not into this crazy, just run the Middle East forever. But again, that was never going to be the battle for the rest of time. In fact, it's shocking and appalling how we could get thousands of our soldiers slaughtered, trillion dollars spent, and getting nothing but endless refugees from the Middle East bringing the problem to our shores for 20 freaking years. Like, that should not have gone on that long. That should not have gone on that long. We were always slated, even before Trump, to move on from that at some point. But then they got Ukraine, and then they'll have the next thing. That's the thing. We, can we always look at the world statically instead of dynamically. The conservative talkers are always looking backwards, not current and forwards. They're always saying, well, we, we, we moved on, we got more aggressive. And it's the same thing I say with abortion. We're always fighting 1973. But the reality is, as we're talking about, I, I have no words in the English language to describe the Holocaust 
of the COVID shots. At a very minimum, seven, eight million people died around the world. And I think it's a lot more than that. Millions upon millions are disabled. But as we're talking about, we're now seeing the long-term effects of shortening life from this, from the autoimmune, the turbo cancers, the neurological damage, and even the heart stuff is not exclusively short-term, but the subclinical myocarditis issues. And then that's this generation. It passes over into the placenta. We're going to have millions unborn. That is literally an abortion. And we are nowhere closer to dealing with it. They have announced Moderna is going to have another variant shot that the FDA is pushing either the third or fourth week in September. Coinciding with flu and RSV. There is no plan on the ground to stop this, to defund even the COVID shots. This is the point. Let me give you another example. One of the few issues that genuinely you can say the GOP and certainly the conservative movement has succeeded and the results show in red states and even blue states because of the Supreme Court is guns. Okay, that, that is no, no doubt you could track that progress. First, the number of states having right to carry and then now constitutional carry that you don't even need a license. And okay, that, that is one of very, very few issues while every other thing from the immigration numbers to the debt numbers to the culture to freedom, to availability and affordability of products and living. Everything has gone to hell. But objectively, guns have gotten better. But what is the main point of guns? The main point of guns is to serve as a bulwark against tyranny. So if um, what has just happened to us the last few years would ever happen... And it did. But if it would happen, we would have a bulwark against that. And then the secondary utility of it is kind of self-defense against street uh, street crimes. You know, thugs on the street that want to assault you, harm you. Okay. Let's let let's let's examine that. So we have more guns than ever, and we have less liberty than ever. We sat locked down in 70-30 Trump counties in red states with our guys sitting in rural counties with 50 to 100 firearms wearing a mask, even in a store in a red county. That's what, that's what we did. It did nothing. We have the government rounding people up for political reasons. The guns don't do anything. At the, at the end of the day, you cannot outshoot the FBI, much less all the other agencies they have and potentially the military. You just, it's just not going to happen. But then you'll say, well, at least, okay, maybe it helps for crime. No. Thanks to the very jailbreak policies that 95% of Republicans and culminating with Jared Kushner getting Trump himself to endorse criminal justice reform, we have all these criminals out in the streets. We have more crime than ever. So you'll be like, well, yeah, I'm sure glad I have my guns. Well, here's the problem. The... Areas almost exclusively where you're going to need your guns, you can't use them. 
oh, you could you could carry it. But it's very unlikely you're going to need a gun, at least as of now, in a rural part of a red state. Where I am, thanks to the Supreme Court, I am now able to carry, and I do. But the reality is, if I am confronted on the street, threateningly, by a, a criminal, and demographically, where I live, in the kind of surrounding area, 99% it will be an individual who is black. Not any other ethnicity. That's just where I live. You don't have a lot of Hispanics, Asians, not that Asians really do this, but they're going to be black. That's just the reality. So what happens if I defend myself? I get thrown into jail. Now I'd be like, Daniel, that's you like an idiot sitting there in central Maryland. You need to move to a better place. I agree. I want to. But let's let's talk about that for a minute. Again, you move to a red state. Where do you you don't need a gun? I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. You don't need it in a rural part of a red state. It's going to be in the urban parts. Well, I got news for you. The big cities in Texas are just as bad as Baltimore, as Philadelphia. Have you ever heard of someone named Scott? Uh, Daniel Perry, the army soldier from Fort Hood who was surrounded and almost lynched by armed BLM Antifa people and he shot one of them and he's facing 20 years and none of those guys who did that are facing anything? I forget now, was that San Antonio or Austin? One of the two. That's the problem. Because they fail us on every other issue. It's a joke. So we're all obsessive. We're so into symbolism. Abortion is like has become a symbol. It's almost like an idol worship of abortion opposition. And I say this as someone who opposes it. But if, if, if you do it with the exclusion of everything else, it becomes just symbolism. Same thing with there's this whole like right-wing meme of having a scantily clad woman with a AR-15. Like, yeah, you know, this whole business. It doesn't do anything for you if you don't have a serious movement making progress on the broader issues. And by the way, crime was one of the issues that legitimately we were moving forward and we accomplished a lot until criminal justice deform came about and Republicans joined with the left to reverse it. And also the racial pandering and BLM, which when the issue mattered, almost every Republican bought into it. Yeah, now everyone's like, oh, uh, you know, it's rioting, whatever. Including the big man, the big man himself. And that's the thing. The issue of our time, there's a lot of them. And we've, we've been focusing on a lot of them. But died suddenly. We had five pilots. Three died. Two others had heart attacks. This is a huge deal. We now have surveys and studies that show one in 19 have markers in their heart for subclinical myocarditis, potentially. Elevated troponin levels. We have in Canada, this is the Globe and Mail. More people than expected are dying in Canada in 20, 30, 2023 for reasons that are not yet clear. And they point out that the deaths 
are 15 to 20% higher than in 2020 and 2021. It's not as high as 2022. That was all the boosters. Canada got many more boosters than the U.S., like we talked about on Wednesday with our Canadian doctor. But now it's 15 20% higher. This is, this is in 2023. So yeah, there's still some people, especially in Canada, getting boosters, but not a lot. This is a long-term problem. And it, it would be the biggest crisis of our lifetime if they suspended all vaccines. But they're going to have a tremendous jihad for flu, RSV, and covid Within days from now, you are not pro-life. I mean, we're, we're about to bring on Pierre Corey. He's a lifelong Democrat. I assume he supports abortion. But if you give me a choice between a guy like him leading the country and a guy like almost every Republican that says, I love myself some babies, I'd go with him. Because on net, you'd have less death. I mean, and he he's not quite as obnoxious about abortion as... A typical Democrat, obviously. But I'm trying to bring out the point that we we don't focus on the issues of our time. So like, yeah, we finally reverse Roe v. Wade. But it's, it's like, I, I, I'm sorry, but I never felt so much satisfaction from that based on they, they milked the issue until ad infinitum. And, and then they've moved on to bigger things. So that's the point. All these people, oh, we're aggressive. Yeah, it's all a bait and switch. Christy Nome is being held as a hero. She's now putting out videos. By the way, she's like, yeah, I'd be open to VP as long as it's for Trump. Playing that smart game, playing up to Trump, you know, going ahead and putting out, yeah, we're for freedom. We've accomplished a lot. I don't just talk conservative. conservative. I enact it. I mean, facts don't matter. She was elected in the Tea Party year of 2010, and she was touted as the consummate Tea Party candidate. She was a fraud from day one. She was a Boehner bootlicker from day freaking one. She was awful. She is the. She is not even any bit different than a pre-2010, much less pre-2016 Republican. But she is touted. In other words, the same way for years, CPAC would tout Mitch McConnell, so Toilet Paper USA will tout Christy Nome. It's the same thing. It's a bait and switch. We have not moved the needle one iota, except the stakes of us not moving the, the needle and the gravity of us not moving the needle is a magnitude that's a thousand times greater than anything we could have imagined. We are out of time. We are out of time. But I want to get to our guest here and kind of delve into some of the latest news with the biomedical fascism. So obviously the big discussion the last couple weeks is political targeting, obviously targeting a former president, a lot of these things that are pretty clear that they're going after people for political beliefs or speech, whether you agree with it, like it, don't like it. And I hear a lot of my colleagues saying, oh my gosh, Daniel, if they could come after Trump for political beliefs, they're going to come after you. And I look at them and say, have you been dead the last three years? They already have been doing it. 
they are doing that. They are criminalizing beliefs. They, you are not allowed to believe that their poison is poison. I mean, you look at the DHS uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism threat assessment, and they put on there people that anti-vax is, 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 is a part of the domestic terror threat. If you don't believe the election was fair and you don't believe the vaccines are safe, that's like terrorism. I mean, this is, this is not funny. And of all the censorship, the censoring of doctors, criminalizing doctors speaking out against the hemlock, or even if it wouldn't be like hemlock, just just the, the fact that they're not able to give their opinion, this is the most severe form because, look, the, the, the corruption dictating the practice of medicine, that determines the destiny of human life. If we can't have anyone putting out information, I mean, I myself wouldn't be able to I get these amazing emails. Steve and I get all these emails from you guys that you saved my life during COVID. I didn't know about this stuff. Well, I only knew from this because of people like our guest, our dear friend, Dr. Pierre Corey, co-founder of the FLCCC. You could follow him at Pierre Corey on Twitter. Make sure you sign up for his uh, Substack Medical Musings with Pierre Corey. Obviously, he has his book now, uh, The War on Ivermectin, and he is in trouble he is having his uh, board certification under investigation by the American Board of Internal Medicine. This is deadly serious, and it's still going on. Dr. Corey, thanks so much for joining us today. Daniel, so good to be here, man. Good to talk to you again. It's been way too long, and I have too many things to get in just 25 minutes. So what's up with this? Is this Wisconsin? Is this national? Uh, tell us the circumstance of the ABIM going after you. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate, you know, your comments in the introduction, Daniel. This is really bad. I mean, they will not stop. I mean, why isn't there more of a wider uproar about this? I mean, this is such a major attack on free speech, which is one of the most harmful things to us as a vibrant society. And and they're just keeping on going and going. And when you talk about medicine in particular, it's critical. They want to control all of what they consider correct information around medicine, as if there is a consensus on, on many things in medicine. It's absolutely absurd. But in terms of ABIM, let me, let me explain what that is. So ABIM is a uh, American Board of Internal Medicine. It's a specialty board. What they do is they offer something called board certification, which used to just be a mark of distinction. It's not a license to practice medicine. I, yes. I practice medicine under my state medical licensing board. Um, so this used to just be a sort of an honor. You pass a more rigorous test and you could call yourself board certified. The problem is over the last couple of decades, they've now linked board certification to employment in academic medical centers and hospitals and even a participated in insurance panel. So it really does impact your ability to practice now. Um, you know, luckily I'm, I left the system. I'm in private practice. so I, it, it won't affect me materially and I don't plan to ever go back to work for a health wow. system. But what they're doing is, I mean, they, they went after me, Peter McCullough and Paul Merrick on the same day, which is a year ago, May 22nd, uh, May of 2022. And they sent us our public statements that they had compiled and told us that we were uh, in violation of their new misinformation policy. We ended up sending a 76 page letter back with 175 references supporting everything I've said publicly. And we just received their reply six months later, we see their reply and they essentially do not at all address any of the data that we provided. They simply cherry picked a few studies 
that supported their narrative. And they said, we find you in violation. And what they really found us in violation from there, this is where it gets crazy, is there, they, the way they define misinformation is if we depart from consensus-based evidence. <laughs> Not evidence-based medicine, consensus-based evidence. So basically what they're telling researchers and experts is that if you have an opinion that departs from the consensus you are a misinformationist. I mean, that's not science. And, and let me just finish by being really clear. You know the answer to this. I mean, this is not about science. It's not about me with misinformation. This is about me bringing attention to really inconvenient science for that narrative and making an example of it. They want to shut up all the doctors. So any doctor sees my case and what happened to me, meaning I lose my board certification. Do you think any doctor wants to speak up now? Nobody will talk. You will nobody hear silence. Will talk. Hear the, and, yep, nobody and, will talk. And, and look, you know, you're a lifelong more of a, a liberal. I, I was a lifelong conservative that wasn't into government regulations, things like that. And normally I'd say, yep. look, you know, unlike the licensing, like you mentioned, which is government, this is technically a private board. But the problem with that is this. What we've seen, and a lot of us have woken up to this, is that we live with this public-private fascist partnership where – so in this case, isn't it true that uh, Jean Marazzo, who is the new head of NIAID, the, the Fauci's job, she's the chair of the Board of Internal Medicine's Committee on Infectious Diseases? Yep. Doesn't, doesn't go far. I mean it's it's huh. – It's a revolving I, I mean, door. That's the thing. It's yeah. a cesspool. It, you can't divide the two. The government works together. It's a push-pull. The government monopolizes the public square to signal to the private, but it's not private because they're all in it, in it together, that this is what you must do. It's a form of fascism. And that's and that's yep. the thing. Like you can't get around that. So this really scares me here. Is this gonna affect your work for the FLCC? No, it, it won't. It won't. Again, like I said, it won't affect me materially because I have no plans on working in the in the medical system anymore. But um, as a you know, my nonprofit organization doesn't affect me there, and my private practice it doesn't. You know, thank God, Daniel, we still have private practice. And and let's be clear, right? The ABIM is a private organization with immense powers over the 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 practice of medicine by physicians. And I'll also bring up another one, and we don't want to get into this, but the for me, the one behind everything is what's called the Federation of State Medical Boards. Now that is an organization that controls the state medical boards, but they they are also a private organization and they were actually created the same year as the Federal Reserve, wouldn't you know? Nineteen thirteen. And they, I actually believe from my reading and looking into this, I think they're driving all of this. I think they're influencing the ABAM, the American Board of Family Medicine, the American Board of Pediatrics, because all of those specialty boards started having misinformation policies. And, you know, the Federation of State Medical Boards is the first one to propose one in July of 2021, in the middle of COVID. They started going after misinformation and and it continues. And now they're just going to lock it down and doctors will not be able to speak freely about anything. And, 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 and this is a time where we need more free thought because a lot of us – look, I have four kids. I don't know what to do with a pediatrician. I mean I just – I yep. don't know what to do to find a free-thinking pediatrician. I, we have a lot of questions about these other shots, yep. and I certainly know all the new ones are like RSV shot is poison. I've done my own research on that. But yep. some of these other ones, I just don't know anymore. 
and we can't take it for yeah. granted, and there is no way of getting around this. How do we? Is there an effort to start a parallel board certification, a, a rival that will so so you don't have a doctor on their own? Because when you have your board certification yanked, even someone who's more free thinking, they kind of like naturally think, eh, this must be something up with that guy, and they don't want to touch him. You you need a a stronger backing. Yeah, there, there is actually. So, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, there is, I think it's called the National Board of Medical Specialties. I believe that that is uh, an alternate board certification system, which many hospitals accept. And I don't know of them having uh, a misinformation policy. So I think there is still an option there to be board certified uh, without having such onerous policies. Um, and then in terms of professional societies, right, there's the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, you know, which is sort of the counterpart to the AMA, meaning yep. except they don't accept pharma money. And so there are organizations which really do stand out as, you know, sticking to principles and being a, a sort of a, a haven for freedom. But um, I, I don't know how much longer. And, and, you know, the system can easily stop recognizing those certifications. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's very hard with the power concentrated so uh, deeply um, in, in getting around this. But you're right. With the parallel systems is the only we, we can't reform them. We're never going to take it back. Uh, they're locking everything down and, and we need to flee. Uh, we need to build our own uh, our own systems and our own societies. All right. So it's been a while since we talked. And yeah, I am. You know, I don't know when it was that we talked last. But if but if I would have thought that in six months from now, seven months from now, we would be at the same place we are, that despite every anecdotal macroepidemiological data, disability data, life insurance data, um, obviously case studies, the academic studies, Pfizer's own documents, the, the EMA documents, I mean, everything showing that this, these shots are negative effective, create a class switch of antibodies that make you more susceptible to respiratory virus in the long run. They affect every organ system. I, I just, I would have thought that we would have made some sort of progress, but not only have we made no progress in taking it off the market, but they have announced in three to four weeks, they're going to come out with a new COVID shot. They've already come out with several RSV shots that they're going to bomb away at seniors exactly at the same time. In the fall, in the New York Times talking about giving people the triple jab, you know, the, the flu and RSV yep. and, and COVID. You think about the negative efficacy, the original antigenic sin, like the worst candidates for vaccines all at once. Why are, I, why are we not making progress? Yeah, I think there's only one answer to that is that it's not a data argument. I mean, exactly what you said. Wow. We are drowning in data of the toxicity, wow. lethality, and inefficacy of these vaccines. Anyone even moderately studied on the topic, you know, is overwhelmed with the most scary data on, on how toxic these are and how they're still being pushed, right? They're going on schedules. We still have 104 universities in this country that are mandating it for students in the fall, healthy, young college students almost all of whom have had COVID, are being mandated to get this shot. So, I mean, the world has gone mad. And so my answer is it's not a data argument. It's a belief argument. They believe in what they're told and what sources. So I, th I think there's a polarization. I think many, many people are still dieting on mass media. And that is a lockdown system. Again, the, the censors, the corporations that control that, 
They're so concentrated. And there are certain things that can be shared and not. And they are still hearing, you know, large part of society is still hearing safe and effective and that you need a vaccine. And so as long as people continue to believe in and have that implicit faith and trust in those sources, we can't bring that data. Our data is private data. It's not common, not right. So it's, 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 it's on the fringe. And so no one will listen to it because the experts and the authorities are saying something different. But and I would actually no matter- say I have seen polling data and I understand it should be 100 percent recognized as hemlock and it's not. Yep. But it is most people, they vote with their feet. People are not getting it. And True. it's very few. I would argue it's more that we don't have political leadership. I would say the people would be ready to if you would have a, a provision in the fall funding bill the when the fiscal year uh falls off uh september 30th if you would have a provision defunding the you know hhs funding of all these shots it would resonate it's that we don't have political leadership and 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 this is this is a big big problem that we don't have in the major parties now uh the 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 two front runners biden and trump uh you know literally agree 100 percent on the issue and what we found in congress now is that a lot of these republicans they'll touch the other aspects of the covid policies that were done but they won't touch this because they don't yeah. want to insult the men and and it's a huge problem so i'm finding the politics is really the big issue and i'm struggling to see because like you said I, I could go to these guys and say, get 10 bullet points. I, I was thinking, maybe I should call it because we have a lot more than that. What are the 10 best dad arguments? But you're right. It's like, Daniel, we're just not doing that. We're just not doing it. Yep. it, it it's not intellectually. They know. They actually know it's true, a lot of them. Yep. They just won't do they it. They don't want to touch it. Yeah, they just don't want to touch it. I mean, I don't know. I, I my, you know, you, you mentioned before that I was a lifelong liberal, and I am, but I, I've completely changed. I mean, I, I, there's no way. I mean, I used to believe that there was a good government. <laughs> now that I see that the, the government's been literally stolen, um, we're being run by corporations, and I consider the politicians to be captured as well. I mean, the agencies, their policies are consistently in line with pharma. The politicians won't speak out about these vaccines, you know, with rare exception. And, uh, you know, everything just marches along in, in, in their service. And it's terrifying. I am so scared of the federal government. You know, my only hopes are at the state level where you, you do see some activity, some legislation, but not at the federal level. Yeah. And even the state level, it's, it's very hard to get people focused. But that is definitely something that I'm going to need you guys. And I'm going to call you, Dr. Corey. Yeah, I'm going to need you to sure. testify at because uh, we're, we're going to have come January, we're going to have a a full onslaught agenda. We're going to need that. I want to get to so the 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 the, the latest kind of overview that I have not followed this a lot the last few months because there's just other issues I can't focus on this exclusively forever. But every day, even with the take up of the shot really dropping to a trickle, we're starting to see the long term dr- died suddenly. The, whether it's subclinical myocarditis, whether it's the DNA plasmids, maybe have latent things in there that at some point could produce more mRNA spike protein at, at, at some point, who knows what, but you put together, this is unbelievable folks. You have to go to USA today. More young Americans are dying and it's not COVID. Why aren't we searching for answers? 
So I read it, and I thought this was another another one of these clueless pieces that you see all over. Yeah, there's a lot of people dying. I don't, I don't know why. But then it was written too well. It's like, bam, bam, all these. And then I saw it was you. How the heck did you get that published? Yeah, well, it's pretty simple. I mean, we got it published by not giving the answer. We just asked the question. Um, obviously, there's really only one credible answer. But, you know, we left it to the reader, uh, you know, to, to try to figure out. And, you know, basically our op-ed marshaled all of the data showing this massive spike in the deaths of young working age Americans. Right. And it's not, you know, the, the opioid epidemic. It's not global warming. It's not lockdowns. I mean, the timing happened right at the time where there was proliferation of vaccine mandates at the university and corporate levels. And you suddenly started to see dying and it's coming from actuarial data, which is tight, right? That's, that's how that business runs. They have to know what the rates or death are for every age group. I mean, that's how they make their money. And suddenly the life insurance industry starts reporting unprecedented dying in the healthiest young Americans. They've never seen that before. And it was a sudden rise in like the 35 to 44 range in September 21, it went up to 200%. I mean, they literally doubled their rates of death. And the, the, the life insurance industry CEO, he said a 10% year to year rise is a one in 200 year event. If it goes up by 10%, right? Cause those rates are very stable over time. And here it doubled. They've never seen that. They've never had this much dying in their industry. And so we called attention to that as not only the timing, the rise, but also many countries. And also, like you said, it continues. We're still seeing lots of excess death. And that is the long-term effects of the vaccines. And that's the only answer, only credible answer you could come up with to what suddenly caused these deaths. Because you also see it in the fact that employed people died more than unemployed people. White collar died more than blue collar, right? And so, you know, that totally matches something happened in the white collar workplace in the third quarter of 2021. And it, we didn't get mobilized to fight on the front lines of Ukraine, right? There wasn't a whole series of terrorist events. There was only one thing. There was a terrorist event. It was this proliferation of these mandates uh, on our youngest uh, Americans. And, you know, Daniel, thanks for noticing. And I think it was a big deal. I mean, we got that into a major U.S. publication. Yes. Um, and I think it invites a little bit of discussion. It's gotten some traction. I don't know that it's generated a news cycle, but certainly it's on people's minds. I mean, the data is really overwhelming. But again, Dan, I, I don't want to be defeatist here, but, you know, the data, like you said, the data has been there. We a lot of us yes. know it. And these questions and conversations aren't happening. They, they're just going to sit by and continue to watch the dime. Like you said, every day you wake up, some young athlete, some youngster is dropping dead. It's all over the place. These are rare, rare events. Now, they're not so rare. They're being normalized. Just young people dying suddenly. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is they actually are admitting it. It's just they're totally like, oh, we don't know. But this took it to the next level, and I felt uh, this is very important. So, again, folks, just you know, putting Pierre Corey, USA Today, more young Americans are dying. A lot of you are looking for uh, cliff notes. It's hard. How do you take three years of our information, my – my articles and shows and tweets and this stuff. I can't even keep track myself of my own stuff. I, I try to look for it. Okay, what was the, you know, the, the 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 class switch of antibodies? Where did I write about that? Where was how many studies do we have on on long term myocarditis subclinical? And this is just really tight. It's very well done. Uh, before you go, I just wanted to get a couple of things. What is the FLCCC's mission post 
COVID. I know we, we had on Dr. Merrick his project with cancer, which is very, very important. Where do you see your mission beyond COVID? And that, that's a great question. I think right now we are actually working on that as an organization, uh, seeing you know what what is our goals going forward. But I would say briefly, it's it's continuing to provide unconflicted expert evidence where we really marshal uh, you know the signals from you know the totality of the evidence around you know, multiple major medical issues, right? So Paul Maric just did a, uh, you know, a scoping review of 1,300 studies he read and compiled the 10 top repurposed treatments for cancer. And he's also doing one on depression. So I think we're going to continue to put out, uh, you know, really objective, um, impactful medical guidance. But we're also, you know, we're advocating for doctors, Dr. Freedom. And so there's a few issues uh, that we're working on. We're also... Um, you know, uh, creating a network of similar organizations and, and directories of doctors. Uh, we're, we're trying to build a, you know, a force, you know, a, a site, a source where people can come to uh, to get away from, unfortunately, Daniel, all of the lies. I, I, I've never, I, I never could have imagined living in a society where I see lies everywhere. Almost everything that I'm seeing and hearing from media is not truthful. It, it, it's misleading. It's manipulative. Um, it, it has objectives to it. it. It's just a sea of propaganda. But and it's medicine, worse than that. It, it, you're yeah. right. But then they go to the next step. You're not. See, what I find amazing about these guys is so, and you've seen this throughout, they control 99%. If you look at the yep. money, the, the market share, the media saturation of everything they own, it's 99%. But they're not happy with as long as there's one dissent because it's like a crack of light in a dark room. You just need a little bit. It illuminates the room. The false, falseness cannot subsist, cannot coexist with, with truth, with a kernel of truth. And they have to stamp it out in this way. It's so important. I, I, I have, I've reproached. It's funny. I'm, I'm against abortion. But I, I literally said before you came on the, the show, I said – if I had two candidates, Pierre Corey and Mike Pence, and I pick Mike Pence because Mike Pence is ardently anti-abortion. He claims pro-life. But he is, right. as you well know, I don't want to get you in trouble, but I, I was going to use certain analogies from Germany, the equivalent of the leader of when it comes to COVID fascism. That's what he was. I mean, he created that. He created Fauci and Burks and all, all this stuff. And... I'm like, as a lifelong anti-abortion activist, I would vote for a guy like RFK over him because that's more pro-life. You talk about Paul Merrick's work. Okay, if, yeah. if we don't stop this, we won't be able to have people. Cures come from this sort of work. And if they're saying we do not want anything competing with the status quo, not health care, but sick care of pharma that we don't want solutions to vexing problems because we want to make money and control you because uh, a, a sick population is more controlled. That is a bigger pro-life issue than anything. I just want to get your comments on that. That's a great point. I mean, the, the, the stuff they're doing in that realm is causing immense amount of dying. Right. I mean, that's what I kind of detailed in my op ed. I mean, you're right. If you want to be pro-life, that should apply to everyone, all of us. Right. Not just the unborn. And we're, we're, in, we're seeing this mass amount of dying and it's coming from controlled and 
false information. They're literally guiding people to their deaths with this information. And you're right, they have to stamp out truth. And by the way, the internet should be dangerous to them. And it is. That's why they're at war on the internet, right? YouTube, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of those big companies doing massive amounts of censorship. Luckily, if you're astute, you can still find good objective information, which, you know, is oftentimes it's not only accurate, but it's contrary to the narrative. So you can still find truth. You just have to know where to look for it. But they're doing everything they can. And you're right. It's causing dying, death. I so, mean, the, the mortality, our, our society is in trouble now. And by the way, our, I, my op-ed didn't even go into cancers or the dropping birth rates that are also uh, linked with the vaccine. The dropping cancer. birth rates is because what's so scary is that means that this is multi-generational. It's not just yep. long-term subclinical myocarditis and autoimmune and those lingering things, possibly the turbo cancers, but but the the birth stuff, the, the the signals we have on that Pfizer's own document saying that it transfers transplacentally, right? The the European Medicine Agency's doc, document there. This is crazy, and yep. we have enough to convict someone if if it would be a murder the amount of circumstantial evidence we have, and yet we are nowhere closer, and I'm, I'm just not going to give up on this. And and one of the things that this has done is it's illuminated just how you can manipulate a population. So we all laugh now at the concept of SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. We all laugh at it. But then a lot of us were like, wait a minute. We were all normalized into thinking SIDS is normal. Oh, yeah, babies are very fragile around yep. six to eight months. They could just die. Do you have any insight on that now that we kind of understand what's going on? Yeah, I mean, SIDS, Daniel, you know, SIDS is directly 100% caused by vaccines. We, we, we know that. There is immense How? amount to show that SIDS are vaccines. So you have SIDS and SADS. I mean, the vaccines... And we didn't go into the other vaccines. That's a whole other discussion. But they, they are toxic and deadly. And that information has been suppressed for decades. I mean, all of the evidence for what the childhood vaccine schedule does, you know, and, and Bobby Kennedy talks about it all the time, the explosion of chronic illness uh, in this country amongst our youth uh, totally matches the explosion in the childhood vaccine schedule. And so, I mean, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Dan. I mean, th that's the thing. Yep. I mean, there's so many things that are that are hurting us. As a society, I and mean, you're right, when you talk about multi-generational, I mean, with dropping birth rates and... That is you an know, abortion. And, and that's why I was like, I, I don't know if you saw, I, I thought of this thought from the right when DeSantis said something to the effect of, yeah, I, I would sick uh, Bobby Kennedy on NIH and CDC and these agencies. And Mike Pence comes in and says... I would never appoint anyone who's not pro-life to my administration. I'm thinking, USOB pro-life? Are you freaking kidding me? It's like, okay, you can't understand killing adults. He doesn't understand that. But if you want to talk about babies, you look at the evidence we have on the birth rates and the the spontaneous abortions, the, the fetal demise. This is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. I, I, I can't believe we're living through this. I, I just, I, this is an utter nightmare and how long we've been lied to, but at least you got to wake up. And what, another interesting thing that I think was so clever, and I think it's really a blueprint, your, your USA Today op-ed, how to pierce through it. 
So the biggest observation I've had when you know there's a problem is when they don't want to ask the question. So, for example, for example, all I've heard for years is that it's a hoax that the vaccines cause autism. So I always thought it's a hoax that vaccines cause autism. But then wait a minute. Okay, fine. Let's say it's not it's not the vaccines. But why in the hell are you not the least bit curious, much less frantic and have a sense of urgency to discover the answer to how the heck you go from 1 in 30,000 to 1 in 36? How does yep. that happen? Okay, same thing with the birth rates, the sudden deaths. Okay, it's not that. Then what the hell is it? But you don't seem to be too bothered by it. You know what I mean? That's, that's 100%, and, and that's the tell, right? I mean, they're not asking the most important questions. And let's, let's look at what the concept of public health is. I mean, that would be their essential mission, right, is to monitor the health of society, right, uh, you know, the control of infectious disease, and, and have health-promoting policies. And when you see the terrible explosion in chronic illnesses and death, that is the central question that they should all be focused on asking. But here's the thing. You know this, Daniel. They're not asking the question because they know the answer. And that answer is nothing that they want to arrive at. So what they spend their time doing is not asking the question and yet making definitive statements that it's not the vaccine. Right? So, <laughs> so they don't know what it is. They just know what it's not. Right? Yep. And we've seen that uh, over and over again. And so, and, and that just goes back to my central point and you, yours as well. I mean, we literally are under federal re- regulatory capture by industry. I mean, the industry is running those agencies and industry will not allow those questions to be asked or researched appropriately. And, and we see that in their behaviors. It's not subtle. No, and that was the thing with the, the beautiful thing with ivermectin. It's like ivermectin doesn't work. Okay, fine, but they would never say what does. And this was before you even had the Paxlovid scam or even the vaccines. That whole first year, where they were like, "We're dying," and and people like you are yep. saying, "Yeah, exactly." So we need to go treat it. Shut up. Well, wait a minute. They, they didn't even have at the time any alternatives or fake yep. alternatives or whatever, and. It just and, and I'm not going to get into the remdesivir. Nothing changes to this day. Yep. Nothing changes, and yep. we 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 got to keep going cool. at this. And and I would just cool. encourage your colleagues to keep this up. Don't just go to get-togethers and conferences. We need you guys to formulate policy changes and help testify state legislatures. We have a couple months to prepare for the 2024 sessions coming up. There's a lot we can do. Florida, we did a lot, but we need to do even more, and we need to do tons more in other states. So uh, again, where could people find your work? Yeah, so uh, my substack is Medical Musings. Um, My my book, The the War on Ivermectin, is available on Amazon. and uh, you know one, you know one thing I wanted to say, uh, and then obviously the uh, my the nonprofit FLCCC is at flccc.net. Um, but one thing I think has changed, Daniel, is that so much has been exposed with the the relentless fraud and corruption around the COVID response. Um, it, it's it's really shown that the scope and the scale of the the corruption has been exposed to many of us. And and I'm the first one, Uh, Daniel, I didn't know this three years ago. I don't know how much you knew of of the depth of this three years ago, but uh, it's been a a really troubling, troubling but valuable awakening. And I was a lot more suspicious of government than you were, but even I 
because I viewed things as political issues if I knew it was a political issue, so then I'd be suspicious of it. But this, it's your life. You go to the pediatrician. What's the yep. first thing you do? Here's 100 shots. Oh, I guess that's what you do. And that's the doctors know what they're doing. It's medicine. Your brain doesn't think beyond that. And now we realize every darn thing is is politicized. It's like ivermectin is poison, but you could take a kid and cut his balls off and 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 inject and mutilate him, and that's like no questions asked. And yep. there's yep. this is just nuts, nuts, oh nuts, oh nuts, oh. Yeah. So again, at Pierre Corey on Twitter, uh, w- look, I I really appreciate you not giving up and not getting frustrated like I am because I'm ready to give up. This is a great op. I have my days, Daniel. I have my days, but uh, next day I get up and I go back at it. There's no other choice. I mean, we can't just sit sit there and let them do this. God bless you. Give them hell, and let's keep this going. Take care. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. So, folks, that was Dr. Pierre Corey, just one of the greatest human beings alive on all fronts. And I just wanted to accentuate this point today. We made a lot of points. We made a little bit of an extra long show today just because I'm going to be gone most of next week. That, number one, we talked about controlled opposition how we are not making progress and exactly how to identify frauds, the right issue in the right way at the right time. And and that's why someone like a Pierre Corey is ironically more of an ally than a legacy conservative because he gets it. This issue is so important. It's the criminalization of our living and our political beliefs, our existence in general. But the criminalization of alternative medical ideas that stand against their consensus. That is, imagine if Joseph Mengele had a style of medicine except Auschwitz was his entire world. He had control of the whole world and you couldn't dissent from that. That's what we're living in. And that's why, for that alone, I could never support Trump. At least in a primary putting aside everything else and all the other personnel and policy issues, much less the focus and the turning people off and the character and whatever. But how is this not an issue? It scares me to think if the last three years of what we lived through isn't enough, what will it take? I don't know. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be here for the debate. Some ways, maybe that's good. I don't care, but it it is shocking to me how there are so many questions just about COVID alone that Trump should have to sit side by side in front of other candidates, uh, particularly the only one that matters, that could make the case from the right. I don't want to hear, oh, but the media, but the left, even if you are a diehard Trump supporter, but if you have an shred of intellectual honesty, a shred, a modicum of beliefs in your stated opinions, you would have to admit that there are certainly aspects of DeSantis that are like, whoa, this is amazing. This is something we need. And there are certainly aspects of Trump that are problematic. And we should at least be entreated to a debate. And not only are they giving him a free pass, allowing him not to show up, but guess what? He gets to bring his surrogates to go on a panel A coward won't show up, send his surrogates, and the RNC indulges that. Disgraceful. But you know what? He bought out Rona McDaniel. 
hey, I got to give him credit here. At least this is one example where Trump actually got something from sucking up to the rhinos. Normally, they kick him in the nuts. McCarthy gave him nothing. Won't do defund. At least Rona McDaniel has given him an out not to show up to the debate, but allow his surrogates to go. And and we already know what they're going to say. Obviously, Trump's not there, so they're not going to talk about Trump, but Vivek won the debate. Okay, so let me just suspend the, or spoil the suspense there. One thing before I go, this is just coming across the wires. DeSantis has issued fines on the first first in the nation Medicaid providers that are still covering tranny castration. Again, follow through. Outcomes, implementation, follow through. What is the biggest thing we have missed for years in the conservative movement? And what is the biggest thing we need at this juncture? We don't need talk. We don't need rhetoric. We have more rhetoric, more based talk than we've ever had in American history. I mean, this is an industry that is bigger than you could imagine. But what we don't have is people that use power in concert with our stated beliefs on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. It's a time for choosing. Do we want to take yes for an answer or not? You could still email me. I'll be a little bit slower, but Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Thanks for indulging my time off. I really do feel bad, but I'll make it up to you guys. Have a terrific weekend. Have a terrific week. Man down the fort for me while I'm at it, your con action teams, and send me stuff if you feel I'm missing some big news, and we'll come back next Friday bigger and stronger than ever, God willing.